Welcome to Sunset Crypto. We're back after a short to medium length hiatus. We're back in the air. Welcome on Crypt Will. Thank you. How do you know it's a short to medium length hiatus? Because... Have you compared it to other hiatuses? Yes, absolutely. I've I've compared to other hiatuses. We were just having a conversation about uh, James Murphy in the other room yeah. and LCD sound system went on what I would describe as a medium to long hiatus. Yeah. So generally I judge my hiatuses by either Michael Jordan semi-retirements or music hiatuses from the scene. We've now already gone off on a tangent. We need to make sure that this comeback is better than any of those comebacks. This is going to be the greatest comeback because, uh, we took a hiatus. Uh, the cloud game is picking up yes. for Uncrypt Will, and the consensus in New York game has taken Uncrypt Vlad off the board for a couple of weeks. And even though now we're a month past consensus, uh, the de- the dust is only just settling because consensus week has gotten out of control. There is the consensus. Uh, conference itself before that there's ethereal and before that there's something else but after consensus there was something else it was it was a a smattering of events and we're just kind of coming out on the other end now of the next four weeks after everybody makes an announcement about something yeah so uh, anyway, it's been it's been kind of wild. Why, why don't you why don't you start us off today by by just telling us now that you're openly block party, you know, you're out of the block party closet. You can tell us what you've been up to uh, the last month or so. It sounds like there have been some really exciting things happening with block party. And by the way, I am not affiliated with block party aside from my awareness and friendship with you. So um, I'm an eternal skeptic, cynic of everything. And. Uh, I won't be mean to you or anything like that because I think it's really cool. But I, I just want to, I want it known that I'm not a walking advertisement for Block Party. You're allowed to be. Oh, awesome! Yeah, uh, no, I'm a total shill. So um, <laughs> all of my, all of my shilling for uh, all the, all the shit coins out there is now, you know, expanding. Uh, no, on the, on the, on the Block Party thing, uh, the consensus week for Block Party was so major because that was the big company launch that was when um you know that was our hello world and the reason that was so such a big event for us is actually because we were under wraps for a very long time um and that has and that has a lot to do with being an american company in the crypto sphere um and issuing a utility token where we are right now is a place in the US where I mean you look left and right and there are uh, there are a lot of questions about what's security what's uh, what's an asset especially utility tokens and the investment community around that um, the United States is basically asking companies to demonstrate utility before they are uh, before the token is out and usable. So we were busy uh, quietly building a product and having that product 
before announcing the, uh, ourselves as a company. Um, following shortly after Consensus was uh, our first event that we actually demonstrated our product in, like for a client in, in the real world. Um, and once we were able to do that, after that, the token was released successfully. Um, and, you know, those are all big wins. But then what happens after your token is released and hits the ecosystem? Um, you know, you got to continue. You got to now enter the real world, the mainstream. Yep. And that's uh, and that's been challenging, you know, signing up clients, uh, talking to uh, potential clients about what blockchain can do for them and you'll be surprised not everybody it has their arms wide open and ready to receive uh, crypto and blockchain of course and and i think uh there are there are challenges that every startup faces but i don't know that we've fully had enough time to understand all the challenges that a blockchain startup will face it's not enough to be a revolutionary idea, or at least trying something new, even if revolutionary is too strong for any specific crypto company out there. But to be a new idea using a technology that people are either very in favor of, or in many cases, very skeptical about, Sure, you know, I, I think that's a really, that's a, that's a very challenging spot to be in. It's an exciting spot to be in. I mean, I think you know, when you scale the biggest mountains, it's it's the most exciting thing you can do as a mountaineer, and that's effectively what crypto startups are, are trying to do. Um, so I, I think you're you're in a really cool place, and I envy you because you get to be at the forefront of uh, of trying to prove out this concept that is about as cutting edge as it gets. You know, I I, I'm, I think we would both agree that there are bigger problems in the world than than ticketing and fraud and ticketing, but you are at the forefront of a technology that is is so cool. And uh, I mean, you're, you're like out, you're out in the wilderness. You know what I mean? And and those challenges, like they, they probably drive you insane when it's 1030 and somebody calls you and they need something. But you know, you're going to look back on this time and be like, I was in this startup, even if Block Party completely crashes and burns, which we certainly hope it won't. Um, but even if it does, you know, you'll look back on it fondly because you you put yourself in this position. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that w- Deep, I, right? I want to run through a wall for you. <laughs> uh, now I'm all charged up. Uh, the, the, no, uh, that's, that's exactly right. And what I appreciate about being um, in business development for it is uh, – you know, when when it comes to all that cutting edge stuff, we had Rakesh in here, who's the CTO, and that's the cutting edge. Yeah, that's the guy cutting the edges. You know, yep. that, that's the the killer apps and building those blockchains and and creating fully functioning ecosystems that are revolutionary. Those are the devs, and the and the hats go off to them. What's fun about being in business development? is like exactly like you said going off into the world and and sitting down with uh sitting down with people that are to be clients that have used legacy systems for decades and decades that are um some know all about blockchain they're they're super tech savvy and they're up to date and latest some have never heard it so you know and you you kind of deal with everyone um, one of the fun things was talking to a very large organization uh, that is very well known, and the 
and uh, the their business team is super tech savvy. Like they know all about it. They've sold tech companies before. They're super blockchain literate, and they really hate the eight hundred pound gorilla in the ticketing space. Mm-hmm. I won't name names, but and they and they use them. Right. Right. They use right. them, and they are saying, "Look, we don't like big behemoth ticketing company." Uh, our contract is up with Big Bohemoth Ticketing Company. Yeah, um, and we would like to we would like to work with a really cool upstart, um, cutting edge technology, but we're gonna resign with Big Bohemoth because we don't really who else is gonna do what they do yeah. right now. Yeah, and um, so there's this there's this arrogance I think that sometimes prevalent in the blockchain world sure that this is the greatest thing to happen since sliced bread and maybe it is but the arrogance is the whole world shall be overtaken by this whether they know it or not right and my opinion even before block party was hold on there chief like even if that is the case that's that's a 20-year outlook Right. That's a 10 to 15 year outlook right. uh, with a lot of work to do until then. And the world's not going to be dragging. The world's not going to be dragged into blockchain because here comes blockchain. It's going to be the other way around. Yeah. Blockchain's going to have to figure out how to integrate with legacy systems before ultimately swallowing it whole. So kind of talking, being on that interface of what people's misconceptions are, uh, sometimes very valid c- concerns. That's been cool. Yeah. Um, what I, you know, to not be super block party focused, what I actually think is interesting to talk about uh, the this, right, which is like rolling out a product and, and bringing it to the world, is some of the, some of the looks you get nowadays when you're talking about uh, being a utility token. So I started a moment ago by saying, you know, it was important for Block Party to create a usable real world application and product before issuing a token. Um, that's because we are, you know, that, that should be the way it's done. The, uh, the critique around the blockchain space and the ICO space is all these utility tokens are raising money via token sales, issuing tokens, and then issuing a roadmap that's like we'll have a product we'll have an mvp we'll have a minimum viable product right. in like two years and that's basically i mean if if done maliciously that's basically a, a ponzi scheme but it yes yeah <laughs> the answer is yes if done maliciously then it's a ponzi scheme even if not done maliciously it might be it's a non-malicious ponzi scheme <laughs> yeah. and a friendly but, ponzi, ponzi but scheme. even if it's done totally non-maliciously and i do believe that a lot of companies uh that have all, that already have circulated tokens way before their product are non-malicious um you know from an investment standpoint from i'm the person giving money to this uh, company in exchange for tokens um it's kind of a raw deal yeah right yeah uh i'm selling you a token that you can use to use my product but my pro, but my product's not going to be ready for two years, and when it is, you have to use this. You can use this token to use my product. Yeah. But you could just also buy it in two years. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, there's because no, they're putting it on exchanges it, right now. It's tough to understand what the. You, you it, it's not it, it's not vastly different from being an early stage investor in a company and and having access to like a private a private placement of stock but what it what is different is you have a significant amount more of just wow that was the worst worded sentence i've ever had in my life you have significantly more on just built in uncertainty and no guarantee that your asset will not forget even appreciate but even be useful you know it's a utility token it, it is meant to be used for something and no guarantee because you have no idea what the product that it, you, you know you don't know what the vending machine looks like that you're putting that quarter into right and that quarter is still available to you in two years when the vending machine is out and by the way is going to be worth 25 cents <laughs> you know i mean that, that isn't that isn't that what it is in the end but yeah. you you actually said something that i really want to go back to just for a minute yeah you you talked about the difficulty of u.s companies you know the the hibernation you kind of have to go into because of what's a security what's not and particularly in the context of utility tokens sure the sec this this week or maybe it was last week actually just said that ether is not a security it is not it is not a security it is not and that makes sense to me um but this strikes me as something that could be kind of a landmark ruling in right. in crypto particularly in the u.s you know, I, I don't think we can we can apply crypto decisions by regulatory bodies across borders because why would a decision made in the United States be similar to a decision made in India or, you know, the Marshall Islands or anywhere else? But I think it's really interesting that um, that they did that, and I think it's the right decision. Um, do you see that? I, I guess do you see that impacting an organization like Block Party or just crypto companies in general that are that are trying to get insight from regulatory bodies in the U.S. about what they can and can't get away with? Um, do they give, do they issue a, an opinion, like an explanation of the ruling of that decision? Or is it just kind of like, hear ye, hear ye, if, uh, ether is not a security. It, I mean, I think it basically boils down to if there's no, if there's no enterprise that you're investing in when you buy a given token, then it's not a security and it's out of the purview of U.S. securities law. So they, in that case, that means they're saying that the Ethereum Foundation is not right, and and I and I agree with that. I do too. It's not. I do too. Um, what is it? It doesn't really do anything for enterprise companies. That decision. Yeah. Because an enterprise company, by definition, is be is would be raising funds to build a product. So, I do agree that a vast majority of these things could be construed as securities. Uh, there's no enterprise with Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, I think that um, with Ethereum, it, you know, now you might be flirting with some, um, you might be flirting with some boundaries because it's a, it's a platform upon which enterprises can be built. Whereas, I mean, Bitcoin was never security. That that right. I was, you know, that's, that's not something that yeah. one is worried about. Whereas, you, I could see the argument being made against Ethereum. In any in any event, in any event, I think that we're missing the forest for the trees by talking about 
is this good for the market or is it bad for the market? I think the the big killer story about what the SEC said is that the SEC said something. Right. What the this this government has been like shockingly quiet. Right. About uh, about regulating the space and it's not only set it's it's setting like a ripple effect throughout the rest of the world. A lot of individual countries here and there are making are making rules regardless of the United States silence. But as a whole, I think maybe the planet's a little bit conditioned to kind of see what the U.S. is doing and then mm-hmm. um, uh, and then make their own decision. Um, I'm I'm glad they said something. Right, I agree with that. I agree. I mean, I I, I think um, every. Every ruling like this just continues to legitimize it as long as it's not applied with bias one way or the other. Sure. You know, I think they I think they have to look at the, tech, the technology for what it is, you know, in cases where it's where it's good and in cases where it's not. So what do you think about what do you think about um, platforms like like uh, besides Ethereum, which has been around for a while? Like, look at EOS. Yeah. EOS is getting a lot of flack now for what they've been doing recently that there is, you know, that in, in a lot of ways it is centralized in right. a lot of ways, uh, you know, people, I just, people aren't, people aren't, haven't been super happy with it. Yeah. Have you been following the EOS stuff at all? A little bit. I, I will admit I haven't been as close to EOS as some other crypto stories. Um, and part of that is just because of cloud life, you know, but uh, what crypto stories are breaking through the cloud life for you? <laughs> well, uh, the fact that they're making a crypto movie with Kurt Russell and one of the Hemsworth brothers um, is something that is that has broken through. Who plays Satoshi? Uh, I don't think it's going to be fact based. I think it's going to be fiction. Um, but that's a really good philosophical question. Um, so, you know, I have not I, like some stupid stories have broken through for me, admittedly. You know, un- unfortunately, um, I-, I really have just been drowning in it. Let's talk about stupid stories. I want to talk about Acon releasing a coin. Yeah, I, I, you know what? Can I? Can I just? Can I? Can I say this after consensus and, and all that stuff? Uh, great for great for my wallet. That Wall Street is really like digging in on the cryptocurrency and yep. figuring it out. I'm starting to miss just like the fun part. The fun part the, of crypto? The fun part of crypto. Yeah. A-coin. Yeah. I was so happy to see that. A-coin. And Dennis Rodman, pot-coin. I mean, so many things about Yeah, Dennis I know. Rodman. They're just – yeah, right. That's that's probably not high on the list of Dennis Rodman things, but it's pretty funny anyway. Um, no, there's oh, there there's fun stuff, and there's stupid – I miss the stupid shit. Yeah, I know. I, I miss mean, the stupid shit. It feels pretty serious right now, and not, o- not only does it feel – does crypto feel serious and not as fun, but I think because prices are way down right now, way down. We need to get I, Benny Big Crypto yeah. back in the podcast to make to – make crypto like fun and we, silly and maybe a little make a little crypto stupid. make crypto fun again that's what we need that's what we yeah. need i i think that i think that people are a little down on it right now um i expect that to change as the as the technology continues to approve wow can't speak improve and as there are more and more real world applications i think that something you said earlier you know when you were talking about the 800 pound gorilla in the ticketing space um you know, your your 
prospect renewing their contract with them. Inertia is a powerful, powerful force, in particularly in the business world. I mean, in people's lives too, but, but in the business world. And I have a lot of experience with enterprise sales, you know, in in IT, in cloud, in software. Um, and I think that one of the things that I've just seen in my time is that companies will do what they have always done because it is just easier than changing in a lot of cases. You're, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna run into cool startups that will that will take a, a gamble on you, but um, it is so much harder to get like a sixty-year-old manufacturing company that was in the Fortune 500 and may recognize the need to take on some some risk and do some type of digital transformation and and adopt some new technology. It's it's much harder to get that company to do it. It's it's just like turning a battleship basically and. Uh, I think the same is true with crypto. I think it's much harder to get people to spend the time that it takes to learn how to use a hardware wallet or, um, you know, write down all their different passcodes and stuff like that and, and store those in safe ways than it is to just keep swiping your credit card, even if Visa um, you know, isn't always a, a, an actor that's in your favor. And, and to keep your checking account with Wells Fargo, even if uh, they're opening faulty accounts in your name. You know what I mean? Like th- those are the kinds of things that are just easier to do than it is for uh, a company to just try something new. Oh, 100%. And that's true on the other side too. That's true for the startup. It's easier for a startup to join the inertia yep. than try to go against the grain of it. Yeah. And how do you, how do you manage that? Yeah. Uh, that is, and that's combined with, this is not having to do with my company, but this is just having to do with, you know, page one of coin market cap. When everything is so down, how do you look at that going against the inertia and maintain the belief that what you're doing is, or this, this whole, this whole concept, this whole thing that we're talking about with, uh, with decentralized and blockchains and cryptocurrency to, to still be like, it's easy to say this is awesome when prices are doubling every other day. Right. When, when prices seem to be dropped by 10% every day to still be like, this is real. And at what point, how low do you have to go to be like, man, maybe this was a fad. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I'm going back to my Wells Fargo Fake accounts. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, okay, let me actually put take, that question take on Take me back, Wells Fargo. Yeah. Oh, sure, we've opened like 20 accounts in your name. <laughs> which which ones gone. do you want? Yeah, which <laughs> ones do you want to keep? Um, so, wait, let me put that question on you. So, is there a price at which UncryptVlad would say, you know what, I was wrong about this? Or, you know what, it's not worth it to see it through? Is there is there a point at which... You've taken on enough water, and you'll say, I'm out. Well, I did take – my answer would have been there is no price, but then after I took out that second mortgage to buy more Tron. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? Uh, in in my particular case, I don't think there's really a number. Yeah. Uh, because in my opinion of what's going on – is that price swings up or down are exactly that. They're, they're market price swings and markets do messed up things. The, just 
you know, when, when you keep going to these conferences and you just keep your finger on the pulse of the news, you see that their inertia, we just talked about it. It's not just a bu- it's not just a bunch of believers in cargo shorts anymore. Right. It is huge 800 pound gorillas across lots of different industries that have put real money and real people behind this thing. Right. I think a lot of the power of the technologies that already been discovered um, and on un- and starting to get untapped. So I've the proof for me is in the world not paying lip service to adoption, but actually adopting. And that doesn't necessarily need to be reflected in price right away. Yeah. What about you? What's your number? Well, I I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, which is it's not necessarily a number that would cause me to reverse course. I think it's more of an event. You know, I think that if, if, you know, if something if a certain amount of time went by and we just couldn't get the masses to adopt then i might start to say you know what that's the thing that has to be overcome in order for this to really land and it's just not happening well what about friend of un, friend of the pod alex mashinsky friend he well yeah friend of the pod uh what about him he was on our show talking about mass adoption and yeah. how we're not really doing how we're not really doing much for mass adoption which is scary to what you just said yeah but at the same time you have people like Alex Mashinsky working on it true and that and that's to my point like if Al, if somebody like Alex Mashinsky is working on it i can rest easy well <laughs> let me ask you this though did you know who Alex Mashinsky was before you got interested in crypto? No, but I sure no, no, but I sure know what VOIP is. Yeah, yeah, okay. Fine. And uh, there's no questioning that Alex is a brilliant entrepreneur and a very smart guy. But I don't think that the average person in Cambodia cares about that. I don't think that the average person in I don't know, Senegal cares about that. And those are the people who need to adopt. It's not it's not, you know, developed countries where this needs to take hold in order for it to really have value. I mean, yes, that would obviously help its value if 330 million Americans all own some Bitcoin. But I think crypto is largely concentrated in developed countries. The United States, Japan, Korea, Europe, etc. You know, it's it's the rest of the world that doesn't necessarily have ubiquitous access to the technology that you need to enable in order to get access to crypto, internet access, you sure. know, and all the hardware that you need to, if you wanted to mine, that's, those are the people that I think need to be enabled. And I'm not saying Alex is the wrong man for the job. I'm just saying that I don't think that uh, people know who he is in those circles. Okay. Agree. But, um, Agree, but it's not necessarily his name brand that we need for those circles. But VOIP, right? That's uh, that's without that, there's no WhatsApp, there's no Viber, there's no uh, Vonage. There's none of the things yeah. that the people in Cambodia are using to call the people in Senegal. That's true. So the and by the way, I bet there's a lot of phone calls between those two countries. 
especially recently. Do you see the viral video of the Senegalese? Of Senegalese? Yeah, Senegalese. The the fans picking up the trash at the World Cup game? No, I just saw their coach, who looked awesome. Who looked awesome. Uh, But look, there's the, the, the point in me bringing that up is that you're. It's somebody that created something that did touch all of these people that were disenfranchised with ways to communicate. Yeah. And um, communication and uh, means of transferring assets right. are ubiquitous needs. Right. So it's not uh, Alex Mashinsky, the name, the man, the myth, the legend. It's the creator of something that addressed a ubiquitous need. Yeah. And and a cross-border ubiquitous need. Correct. So that's, uh, you know, it's – so I'm, I'm just saying when there are people like that that are really working on it and not, you know, not hoping that the price of – not doing it for the, for the price of Bitcoin to yeah. go 10x, but – to do something, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think there are enough people who are working on mass adoption. I think there are enough companies using it, uh, and the commitment has been demonstrated to me enough that the markets. I mean, they'll do. Markets will do what they do. That's true. I mean, I th- I think you know how we got to this topic was you know what would it take for you to to say I was wrong, I'm out. And for me, it is if if somehow it became clear that adoption was never going to happen. You know, I'll hold, I don't care if this price falls to a thousand dollars, a hundred dollars, I'll hold on to them. You know, I'm not, I'm not cutting bait. Um, but if, if it became clear that this was just never going to take off in terms of getting into the average person's portfolio or life or use, then that would be the thing. I, you know, if there was some event that indicated that was truly not going to happen, then I would bail. You know, it's crazy. What? That entire concept. No. <laughs> what's no what's crazy is you know there the price is falling today it's going up tomorrow it's falling down right the day after that whatever uh in my home country uh in in fact in my home city in kiev yep there is a movement um to there, there there's a statue of lenin um in kiev that got taken down um during the conflict during the Maidan conflict right, right. or uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, we're now like four years on from that. Uh, but in the middle of the Maidan situation, the Lenin statue got torn down. Now, I'm of the opinion that no matter how right you are in your revolution or whatever, tearing down monuments doesn't do anything. I mean, it's, it's uh, sure symbolic, but uh, if you want to change a history – the worst thing you can do, I think, is tear down um, monuments to it. That's a different topic. Yeah. Anyway, where that statue once stood, uh, there is a giant groundswell to build a statue to Satoshi Nakamoto. Wow. In that spot. Wow. So, like, you think those guys care what the price of Bitcoin is today? Wow. Uh, and look, Ukrainian currency, uh, the Grivnia, uh, can, can you say that? Grivnia? Yeah, not bad. All right, cool. Um, I'm good at languages. You know, what's... Ukrainians are... Like, the Grivnia is... is 
nobody nobody believes in the Griffin year. Okay. You know, it's a uh, it's it's nobody nobody trusts it. Uh, everyone wants Euros there. It's not going to happen for them. But mm-hmm. um, it's just when you have no faith in a currency as a people, and then all this cryptocurrency movement is happening and Bitcoin, they're, they're not. Nobody wants to build a statue to Satoshi Nakamoto in Kiev because uh, they got rich on Bitcoin. Nobody's in Ukraine is rich on Bitcoin. Right. It's the implication of an alternative to the Rivnia. Yeah. Which is why they want to build it. Yeah. As long as there's stuff like that happening, I'm not I'm not sweating a 15% drop. I agree. I agree. And I, I actually think that's a really cool little anecdote. Um, I'm full of them. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a good one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, obviously it's, it's, uh, an indication that there's a real desire for it in a, a place where I think that's a real world test case for, for Bitcoin being a seriously viable alternative to the existing currency. Absolutely. And I think that if anything's an indicator of the potential for adoption, it's something like that. It is, and it's also an indicator for the potential of the human imagination. Yeah. Because how do you build a statue to somebody that nobody knows what they look like? Yeah, that's a really good point. I, does Satoshi have, like, an avatar of some kind that, you know? Like, have you seen Ready Player One? I have not seen Don't nor see read. It. Don't see it. Read the book. The book is good. The book is fun. But the movie, if you read the book, is an abomination. Uncrypt Amanda highly recommends the book as well yeah the book's great uncrypt amanda is a voracious reader and uh i love that by the way uh and uncrypt maya is actually reading it right now um can i can i grab the book from yeah uncrypt maya oh, after yeah. she decrypts it yeah after she decrypts uh, it you can read that it's very easy to decrypt i mean do you assign a gender it's 2018 do you even assign a gender to satoshi nakamoto I'm, I'm do pretty you, sure that would be pretty unwoke do you, if you that, did that. That would be so unwoke. That, yeah. that would be that would be asleep. Yeah, you'd be you'd be dead asleep at that point. I mean, the the name the name smacks of Japanese, but do you but like do you build a Japanese person? Yeah, but like I mean, we don't know for a fact that Satoshi Nakamoto is Japanese, right? Right. It's just a name. It's just a name. Uh, and there's no there's no like internet traffic or trace or anything that's been done to place that person in yeah it would still be a satoshi but there's never been any like tracing or any there's no proof that that person is from japan or or lived in japan right uh, maybe i'm wrong on that you know it'd be so meta if the sculpture was just a giant mirror oh <laughs> you were satoshi all along it's all of us yeah we are all satoshi i get it it's not but like but it would be a special kind of mirror where if like jamie diamond stood in front of it it would just be blank (laughs) (laughs) you yeah jamie diamond is definitely and warren buffett is also not satoshi remember when time magazine did that they just put like a cheap little mirror on the cover like yes you're the person you're the the person of the year that was lame did you you put that on your resume be honest Uh, um i think i did and then had someone review it and they said it was a bad idea I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, anything else I want to talk about? Um, go block party. Doc- no. Uh, there, okay. I, I, let's go back and talk um, a little bit about some of the highlights yeah. of, of Consensus Week because there are there are cool things that did happen. Sure. Um. There was 
there are a lot of projects that I've talked to independently of uh, my affiliation just because I've advised on things. I, I like to hear pitches. I like to hear what everybody's doing. I remember I spoke to a company called Codex um, in January. Yeah. Like right at the turn of the new year. Uh, I have an art background, so I was very interested to hear what the people in the art world are doing with Codex. And um, they sold, they hosted an auction uh, where a painting called Crypto Kitties was sold for $150,000. Oh my god! Uh, People with too much money, man. I mean, I have so many comments on that. Yeah, but there, there's okay, like for example, there, there from the art world, there is a there is a rumor, right? Yeah. In my experience in the art world, it's more than a rumor, right? But this is not the place to be pointing fingers or speculating. But several years ago. Uh, a Jeff Koons balloon dog sold for $56 million at Christie's, making Jeff Koons the highest-selling American artist uh, in... Ever? Uh, living. Living, okay. And there were like six of these balloon dogs, and it was why it was speculated within certain circles that it was other owners of balloon dogs bidding up that balloon dog, thereby making everybody's balloon dog cost a lot of money. Yep. Um, balloon dog collusion. Balloon dog collusion. Yeah. Uh, some suspicion uh, on my end about something of that nature with uh, the crypto with the crypto thing. kitties painting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was cool. That happened during Ethereal. Yep. Um, I mean, you were you were unfortunately out of town during consensus. Is there anything? Is there any news that reached you that you found interesting? Yeah. So on Medium, where I read and write sometimes, um, I wrote or excuse me, I read uh, someone's post. I want to say Hacker Noon's post Mm -hmm. about the best ideas to come out of consensus. Codex was one of them. Um, I think it was Proppy was another one. Is that right? People are hype about Proppy, man. People are hype. Yeah. Proppies are growing very quickly. Yeah. I they think are, they are global. I think people are really excited about it. And there was something else that I sent you about like a decentralized society that Another came one? out. Well, I think yes. it was that one. It was yes. the decentralized society. I, I really wish I could remember what it was called now. If we had been more, this is bad pod because if, bad been, pod. if we had been more prepared, I would have had that ready. Um, but that was ridiculous. So basically I, I will, I promise for the next sunset crypto that I will track down the name of this. But essentially, the idea is that it's a country that has no location. It's not a country. Or it is. But it's not. It's decentralized. Dude, borders are so centralized. Yeah. Like, the borders are very centralized and countries are centralized. So it's a decentralized society that you can be a part of. And I'm pretty sure that's enough crypto for today. <laughs> uh, my favorite, by the way, my favorite part about that project, I, I too forget what it's called, but, they, but they're going to give out passports to people that can live in this or not live in this country. And they had a list of people that were pre-qualified for passports. How, how do you know if you're in the country? There's a mirror. <laughs> right, that's, you know? a, that's enough crypto talk for tonight uh i am oh i wait before we go no. i found it yes decenturian 
Decenturion? That's ha- that sounds like when your Amex card gets taken away from you. Dude, we had a text chat about this like two, three weeks ago, and I sent you the link. I asked you if you know anything about them, and then your response back to me was, Decenturion solves the challenge of creating a society while relying not on qualitative but on qualitative characteristics? That was a copy-paste. Yeah. I don't understand that. That's why I copy-pasted it. Not on qualitative, but on qualitative characteristics. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I Okay, we're going to do a deep dive on Decenturion for our next... Deep at, dive. Yeah, at some point in one of their next couple Sunset Cryptos. They're, the killer app for Decenturion is not just a decentralized country, yeah. but using... But not... They don't use qualitative solutions. They use quality qualitative solutions. I'm sure. I'm sure that countries like the United States and Russia and China will all just happily applaud as they're disrupted by Decenturion. I'm feeling disrupted already. I, I, me too. So, are we out of time? We're out of time. We're out of time. Thank you for listening to Sunset Crypto. We'll do our best uh, to do better next time.